getting them to switch to a new message, to pivot to the new set of things that are being positioned and sold and they're considered strategic by a new leadership. You know, oftentimes sales is slow. The best sellers are slow to the uptake. You know, add to that, you know, the challenge associated with every minute is a selling minute. And if you're asking someone to get out of the field, out of a selling motion and into you know, multiple hours or potentially multiple days of training and certification, most salespeople are not going to look at that and go, oh yeah, I'm excited about doing that. Hi friends, welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Jeff Santelis. He's the Chief Revenue Officer at MindTickle. And in this conversation with Jeff, we talk about a range of topics. We start with what it means for a seller to be sales ready. It's an important topic, sales readiness. And then we delve into the topic of sales learning. And we have a discussion around what are the levers that managers can pull that really make a difference in terms of improving sales performance. Jeff also shares the KPIs that he relies on to manage his team. And he reveals the one KPI that everyone uses that he thinks is totally useless. And then we also talk about QBRs and how to run an efficient one in the midst of this pandemic. All this and much, much more. But before we get Jeff, let me ask you a favor. If you're a regular listener to this show, or perhaps this is your first episode you listen to, and you haven't had the chance yet to rate and review this program, would well, be doing me a big favor if you could leave a review for us on iTunes or a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate that. So thank you for your help. All right, let's jump into it. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure being here. So uh, where have you been uh, hanging out during the whole pandemic? So I've been, like most uh, of uh, the other uh, you know, folks in, in, in my role, uh, working remotely from home. And mm-hmm. home for me is in Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, Colorado. Companies in San Francisco, though. It is indeed. So, you know, I've been you know fairly accustomed to working remotely uh, over the last handful of years. So, you know, remote work is not necessarily um, uh, you know novel, but at the same time, you know, I've been very accustomed to being on the road, uh, whether that's you know meeting with customers, mm-hmm. prospects, partners. And that's been very, very different uh, over the course yeah. of the last six plus months. Yeah, I mean, I tell the story about I'm the same way. I, you know, on the road constantly, and I've flown once in six months. And it's like when I was this was a few months ago. I was packing to get on a flight and found myself sort of paralyzed in the middle of the floor. And my wife's looking at me, going, "What's what's wrong?" I said, <laughs> "I forgot how to pack." <laughs> it used to be so routine. I knew where everything went and my in my backpack and in my suitcase. And then it's just like well, it's like the first time I've done it. Yeah, you're actually ahead of me. I haven't gotten onto a flight uh since March sixth. So um, Yeah, well that was my next to last flight. Um uh, but we did the, the first uh we had March, April, May in Manhattan and then escaped out to san diego at the beginning of june so uh, good for you well yeah actually things are much better in manhattan than they are in san diego these days relative to you know infection rates and so on but nonetheless uh feels a little more open and free out here so yeah we've been 
enjoying that. But uh, well, let me ask you. I mean, this is a question I ask all my guests these days is: is okay? You haven't been on a plane for six months or more. What's the biggest lesson you've learned about yourself during the pandemic? It's a great question. Um, you know, what I've learned is, you know, the the opportunity. Well, the challenge of of not not being able to travel has actually, you know, been an opportunity in many ways. Uh, I think, you know, for you know those of us who have been, you know, very traditional. Uh, in their enterprise selling motion have, you know, have built the expectation uh, and worked with the expectation that, you know, getting business done requires establishing an in-person relationship, being able to, um, you know, see a person uh, in person, shake their hand, you know, get a sense of, um, you know, their, um, you know, just, just how they're reacting uh, in person uh, and being able to read off of that and feed off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what I've found, you know, over the course of the last uh, handful of months is you can still establish a rapport. Um, you know, when everyone's forced to go remote, uh, the opportunity to, you know, leverage some, some new tools, some new approaches, uh, and, you know, still try to get to that same outcome, which is, you know, someone on the other side that is, you know, looking at you and, and believing in you uh, and, and, and assuming, and, and assessing, um, you know, that, uh, you know, you are, um, you know, a trusted advisor. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, our team is, and, and myself, you know, I've been able to, uh, I think, successfully navigate to that, uh, you know, new reality. And in the process, um, you know, that the, the number of hours that I've spent on the road, you know, whether that's commuting to the airport, the time at the airport, the time in flight, you know, I've been able to, um, you know, find ways to use that time, um, you know, in, you know, more productive and frankly, healthy ways, you know, for myself. Uh, so that's been, you know, very, very positive, um, you know, as, as I, as I try and look for, you know, whatever silver linings we can from this <laughs> pandemic situation, you know, those are, you know, a handful of them. Well, it's interesting, several interesting points in there is one is, is, yeah, there's been this sort of rush of books about, virtual selling that people have rushed to market over the last six months. And yeah, I read a bunch of those and I've certainly have read a couple and, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I sort of believe that, that the basics are the basics regardless of the medium, you know, that your ability to form rapport with someone, uh, is really if you are able to do it in person, then you're able to do that virtually. If you're not able to do it <laughs> virtually or remotely, or do it in person, excuse me, doing, doing it virtually is not not going to save you. And it's like it's it's like you know, okay, got it. It's yeah. If you're good at connecting with a human being and building a rapport, and you're good at asking the the right questions and just, you know establishing the conversations of flaw of that and seeing where they go. Uh, to me, the medium doesn't matter. Yeah, but if you're not it, good at those things, you're actually going to get punished by this medium. Yeah, very, very, very interesting, um, you know, takeaways. And, and, and I agree with that, the insight there that, uh, you know, if you were capable of doing it beforehand, um, you know, you're going to be equally capable, you know, in this, you know, new medium. 
or you know leveraging this new medium and and I think you know part of the the you know, the reason that the the in person medium you know ended up being very important from a, a selling perspective was that you know the belief was the customer was expecting you you know to be there you know in person as part of you know as part of the process um, you know the forcing function that's shifted at least you know from my perspective is. You know, if you've been in an enclosed tube with 250 strangers for four hours, uh, you know, the last thing in the world that, you know, your prospect wants is for you to, you know, land in, you know, their home or in their office. <laughs> These days, for sure. So, so nobody wants you in person. So, you know, now both parties are operating, you know, under the same expectation, which is, hey, we, we st- somehow need to establish trust, you know, build a rapport you know, over this new medium, you know, let's get to it. And, you know, being able to establish that, um, you know, to your point, you know, is, is, you know, the skill set that, you know, the new seller in this remote environment needs to ensure that they, you know, they're capable of doing. And, and I think all of us that are, you know, good at what we do, you know, have proven the ability to establish rapport in person. And if both parties are you know, willing uh, and capable of uh, engaging in this new medium, you know, they should be able to do the same. Well, you raised an interesting, well, several interesting points there. But one that we'll dive into now is, is this idea that sellers have this expectation that the customer wanted them to be there. And I speak from the perspective of decades, <laughs> probably the oldest person in the whole audience, including the people listening, of traveling around the world, uh, dealing with customers domestically and internationally for, let's say, for decades, is I never, I never thought, geez, the customer wants to see me. My, my, and I was working for startups where we didn't have unlimited travel budgets yet. We still had to do what we need to do. But for me, it was always, I want to go visit them because there's something I could make happen, right? Whether it's making, creating momentum, moving to the next stage, answering specific questions. I never felt like it was the demand was coming from the customer. It was always like, yeah, I, I look at it as, yeah, I, I want you to invest some of your time in me because I've got something to give you and you're going to get a return on that time. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. And, you know, and I'll, I'll agree with, with that, um, you know, certainly as, as a, a sales leader and as a seller, um, you know, there is a desire to, you know, you know, capture the time of the customer. Um, you know, the, the time that you're in front of that customer is time that your competitors are not, right? Um, you know, the sure. time that you're, you know, in front of them and potentially, um, you know, reading and, uh, you know, better understanding, you know, the, you know, the customers, their, their, their issues, challenges, um, and, and seeing both the verbal and nonverbal language from, um, you know, from you know the key champion as well as you know potentially others across the organization. There's there's positive there, but you know I, I I will say that you know my my perspective is that you know many customers, particularly when they're making strategic investments, um, and 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 specifically strategic investments from you know organizations that may be you know more in the startup you know portion you know, of their life cycle, mm-hmm. you know, they want to, you know, get in front of, you know, the executives that, uh, you know, they're betting on. Uh, and, oh, sure. and, and that time, uh, that in-person time often is, is very, you know, crucial, uh, to, to, to making the, 
you know, the, the, the decision to, to go or not go uh, with a particular, um, you know, technology solution. And, oh, and oftentimes absolutely. what I hear is they're, they're making that, that decision, um, you know, less on feature function, but they're betting on the partnership and, and the, and the team that, uh, you know, that they've, that they've since met. So I do think there's a, a, a win in, you know, in, in that, you know, relationship building on both sides. Oh, absolutely. But my perspective was slightly different, which was, and I agree on all those things you said, was that just who's, who's creating the impetus for the meeting. Mm. Mm. And if you're saying it's not saying you specifically, but if as a seller, you're saying, well, geez, I'm sort of waiting to take my cue from the, the customer. My contention is, well, that's, that's the wrong approach. That's the wrong perspective to have on it because yeah, you need to be to the extent you can, you need to be driving that outcome in that conversation. And, and it doesn't mean that, yeah, they definitely want to see you. I've I worked for startups my whole career, practically selling mission critical communications networks. Yeah. They wanted to see us because we were small. Oftentimes the size of the contract is bigger than our annual revenue. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we definitely had to go meet them, but it was sort of done on our schedule. Right. Right. And we weren't waiting for them to sort of say, well, we need to meet your guys. It's like, we're way ahead of you on that. Right. We've got this planned out. And part of that was, I think that I think this whole lot of discussion about travel and businesses, because sales teams are sort of, I would say lazy, but not in the sense that people sort of talk about it. So it's the travel sort of became lazy. It's just like, yeah, let's get on a plane. Let's go see somebody. And I found it's formative part of my career selling you know, to major enterprises, uh, working for startups where we had limited funds, oftentimes bootstrapped, is we had to be able to justify what was going to happen in that meeting in order to get approval to go travel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a great way for sellers to look at it. It's not just, well, I'm going to get on a plane. And it's like, no, what's going to happen? Right? What's going to be, what's going to be the outcome that's worth it and to justify doing this right now? Absolutely. And there's just this rigor around travel that I think has been missing. And so I said, we'd use it sort of lazily, What you really need to look at is how do I use it strategically to advance the sale? Absolutely. I agree with everything that you just said there. Okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wanted. Well, so tell people, tell people who aren't familiar with, with MindTickle, tell us what MindTickle does. So MindTickle is a sales readiness solution. And you know, our vision and the path that we're taking uh, is to service customer focused organizations and to ensure that every one of their resources that is in front of a customer, a prospect, a partner is on message, on task the first time and every time. And our strong belief is that every interaction is a revenue generating uh, opportunity, a brand creating opportunity. And you can either mm-hmm. you know, drive that new revenue uh, opportunity or you know, establish and, and, and enhance your brand, or you can do the opposite. <laughs> and yeah. it, it's absolutely critical um, that, uh, you know, all of those resources, you know, end up being on message, on task. And our solution, our platform helps an organization do that uh, by uh, executing on a handful of different fronts. You know, first, we end up, you know, providing a medium through which um, 
all of those uh, you know, employee resources, you know, can learn about uh, what it is that that new message, uh, that new positioning, you know, really is. And we do it in a very, you know, micro learning, um, engaging fashion. Uh, and once that content is delivered and consumed, we then provide a medium through which uh, that employee can practice um, delivering uh, that message in a you know, compelling, mm-hmm. concise, confident manner. Uh, and they do that through role plays you know, within our platform. And as those role plays are being practiced and then ultimately submitted, you know, your frontline managers, your coaches uh, end up being able to provide feedback and input to help that employee continue to tune uh, that message and you know, step up in terms of you know, their performance and ability. And then once the employee is actually in front of a customer or prospect, we provide a medium for the frontline manager to provide real-time coaching uh, to ensure that when they're doing well, they're getting positive reinforcement and feedback. And when they're uh, seeing gaps, they're also able to provide uh, a consistent uh, level of feedback and input, as well as remediation uh, to assist that. And you know, that coaching and feedback in execution in front of a real prospect is done through, you know, our platform, uh, as well as through an automated bot that, you know, can record uh, those calls, analyze those calls, and critically, you know, in our platform, closing the loop uh, of our enablement and readiness uh, vision is assign automatically, uh, you know, remediation capabilities, um, you know, remediation programs you know, for that mm-hmm. employee as they start seeing, um, you know, areas where they need to improve versus what it is that you wanted and intended. And, and all of this, um, you know, that, that I just described is available on a single platform, uh, single user experience, single UI, single data model, uh, which allows for tremendous, you know, you know actionable analytics uh, for managers to really understand as sales leaders in particular, you know, where are people on message? Where are they off? How is this impacting my key goals, my key metrics, which oftentimes for sales leaders end up being around sales productivity to help them get to their number? And very specifically, if they're seeing churn and things of that nature, you know, how do I get new sellers on board and ramped and productive as quickly as possible? So right. you know, our analytics you know, end up providing eyeballs into um, you know, things such as that. And that's where, you know, we become a, a pretty critical component uh, of the, you know, sales stack uh, as revenue leaders continue to drive forward. Right. So, but just to make sure that people understand this is, as you said, it's a platform. All the, all the learning content, though, is produced by your customers for their team. That is correct. That is correct. Okay. We, we are the underlying platform that allows you to deliver that that core content in a very concise, engaging, gamified manner that delivers the content that sellers need at the time of their specific need. So, so think of us as, as the, the delivery vehicle. The core content is you know, delivered or created by the customer. Uh, and we do have mm-hmm. a series of partnerships uh, with you know, folks like Blanchard, CVI, uh, Sandler, uh, and others, where whereby if a customer is in need of your know, core, you know, sales methodology, sales training, 
partner ecosystem type of types of of content, uh, our partners can oftentimes deliver that um, you know within our platform. Right. So define sales readiness. What's it a measure of? Sales readiness to to us is you know really um, the ability for for our customers and and particularly our sales leaders to assess clearly um, the competencies that uh, you know that that matter uh, that that really drive the the, the needle for our, um, you know for our, our and again most most often we're we're, we're servicing sales leaders uh, and, and their teams uh, what we end up you know doing very very well is helping our customers you know identify competencies, both, you know, hard skill as well as soft skill competencies, um, work with them to define the programs that can help those, the, those people in those roles uh, improve on those competencies. And then ultimately, we're able to determine and correlate performance in those specific competencies to performance to key metrics that sales leaders are really tracking. And tracking closely. So, as an example, you know everyone's tracking, you know, bookings and revenue, uh, and 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 what you'll be able to see is, you know, who are the folks that are, um, you know, actually performing on the revenue front, and how are they performing relative to the competencies that the sales team, the sales organization, the sales leadership have defined as being critical and important. And by being able to correlate those two things. What's interesting, and, and this is oftentimes, I think, something that you know many of your peers and you probably you know, have seen this over the years as well. You know, as you're continuing to build and scale up your team, you know, oftentimes you're able to assess not necessarily in a in a hard analytic fashion, but you're looking at your team and going, "Wow, you know, this this set of people made their number. I've been out there with them. You know, they're not necessarily our top." Top tier, you know, sellers. You know, how are they making their number? Why are they making their number? You know, are they are are they are they truly our best people? And then on the flip side of that, you know, you've got you know sellers that you know you've worked with in the past. You know, they're very good at you know at, at what they do, and and you're seeing them and saying, man, you know, why why isn't you know Jane or Joe you know, I know they're very good. Why aren't they, you know, getting to their number? You know, and 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 you don't necessarily have hard data behind that. And if you were only to make, you know, your you know top ten percent and bottom ten percent, you know, an analyses just based off of the number, you know, you might be, you know, praising folks that you know, frankly, are getting lucky, <laughs> and you might be, you know, calling folks that are really good, strong contributors, but maybe it, it was. You know, a bad patch that they were giving or bad timing. Um, what what we end up doing which, from a well, mind which is an interesting point though, because because I mean, let's face it, luck and circumstance play a large role in sales success. I, I don't disagree. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't disagree at I all. I mean, it's, it's it's hard to factor in, right? So it's it's like, yeah, was this the bad problem with the patch or the person or both? Well, what's interesting about MindTickle and, and our solution is it actually provides you with hard data and an ability for you to 
to see clearly whether or not um, you know that person you know that w- with whatever quadrant he or she is in you know their level of readiness based off of you know how they're performing on the competencies that you've graded um, mm-hmm. and and you can clearly see you know this person is you know doing really well and you know knows and understands the messaging knows and understands the competition knows and understands how to you know handle objections you know they perform incredibly well in terms of all of their role plays that they're driving you know so it's not a matter of skill set or gap that is you know holding them back um, you know so you can actually see that and make data driven decisions as you're continuing to tune your team so that's where you know i think you know to your point you know there is you know a lot of luck there's a lot of feel there's a lot of you know other soft elements that go into building scaling and and being successful in you know in in driving a sales organization but what you want to be able to do is is you know build more of um, you know your core and your base um, you know with 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 core data uh, analytics and eyeballs that give you confidence that uh, you know you're you're going to you know have something that's not going to be lucky one quarter but you know actually you know repeatable successful and scalable you know over the long haul and i think you know you know mind tickle and our sales readiness platform provides that venue uh, to you know to give sales leaders you know the confidence that what they have um, you know they can truly scale uh, and, uh, and and make repeatable yeah well I mean when I look at know, there's sort of this general acknowledgement that that over the years that sales training has failed in its mission and but the issue is not really the content, at least in my mind, not really the content as much as the learning methodology. And which is one of the things I'm interested in the platform that you have is because I think it it's one of those that's out there that says, yeah, we're, and it's not just micro learning, but that's certainly a part of it. But, you know, it's uh, in real time feedback. It's, it's, it's the way people learn. You know, if you've read David Epstein's book, Range, you know, he talks about this in detail. Um, and so I guess one of the things is, is yeah, are, are people understanding that's really the issue? <laughs> because, yeah, we don't see enough companies, you know, sort of abandoning yet this, this whole methodology of, hey, let's have a big annual sales kickoff meeting and we'll bring in an expensive speaker, which oftentimes in the past was me. It was, you know, paid well. But you'd walk <laughs> away knowing that, that they weren't getting anything out of it, that they were retaining beyond, you know, 25 days. Yeah, it, it's it's a great observation, and if you think about you know the the people that are you know typically in sales sales positions, you know these are folks that you know are highly you know they're, they're very self confident. Um, you know they've they've been successful you know through you know many phases of their careers. Um, you know, oftentimes they've been in you know the organization that they've been in. They've you know just come off President's Club and. You know, have made quota and have been in their, their multipliers. You know, these are folks that you know they'll walk into the room, you know, confidently, you know, believing that they're the smartest person in that room. And mm-hmm. you know, getting them to you know switch to a new message, to pivot to you know the new set of you know things that are being you know positioned and sold, and they're considered strategic, you know, by you know, the the new leadership. You know, oftentimes sales is slow 
uh, the, or the best sellers are slow to the uptake. You know, add to that, you know, the challenge associated with you know every minute is a selling minute, and if you're asking you know someone to you know get out of the field, out of you know a selling motion, and into you know multiple hours or potentially multiple days of you know training and certification, you know. Most salespeople are not going to look at that and go, oh, yeah, I'm excited about <laughs> doing that, right? You know, and whether that's virtual or, you know, in person, you know, frankly, the, the time for a seller, you know, is, is oftentimes deemed lost time if they're, you know, forced into that selling environment. And the key to me is, you know, how do you flip the switch and, and make it something that, you know, sellers want to engage in, that they want to actually, you know, be a part of because they believe that, frankly, it will help them, you know, in their quarter, it will help them in their deal, it will help them get to their quota and into multipliers. And, 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 you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, part of this is ensuring that, you know, you have a medium, you know, that takes into account the role, uh, and, and the personalities that you're trying to engage with. So you can't, you know, do, you know, traditional, um, you know, multi-day, multi-hour types of courses. It's not going to be something that is going to get adopted. And, you know, if you look at traditional learning uh, and training environments, you know, adoption for sales is incredibly low. Um, so you need to figure out, and what, what it is that we've done is very much micro-learning based. Um, it's very much gamified. You know, one of the things that we found is that, you know, Sellers are highly competitive. They all want to be at the top of, you know, name the leaderboard that's out there. Um, you know, and some selling environments absolutely love, um, you know, gamifying every element of their motion. And uh, and, and we've yeah. we we've you know built uh, on that <laughs> on that front. Um, yeah, at the risk of being contrary, I think that's nuts, though. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's it's it's. I mean, sales itself is competitive. Right. I mean, just the, the nature of selling, we're competing against, you know, a competitor, whether it's another company or the company's status quo, the customer's status quo. I mean, and this is, I know, not part of the conversation we're playing and having, but I mean, it's like, yeah, isn't there like enough is enough on the competition and the stress that comes with it and, uh, you know, the expectations? And I'm sort of sensitive to this because, you know, we're, on this ep- on the episode of the show that's uh, our show that's being published today, the day that we're recording this, is all about mental health and sales. Right. right. And one of the villains is gamification. Quite frankly, that's interesting. Um, you know, so so for for us as we look at it, um, you know, we've taken advantage of you know again the mindset and the mentality of salespeople, sales leaders. Uh, and we've built, you know, gamification to get them engaged, uh, to make it fun, um, you know, versus, you know, make it stressful. You know, so as, as an example, we have a capability, uh, it's called HiFly, uh, that, uh, you know, we, we use for social engagement, um, you know, across, you know, our user base, you know, in, w- within a company. And what it is, is, you know, just a you know, it, it's it's almost like a, a 1980s style arcade game, where you know you're you know part of you know multiple you know there are multiple teams and you're part of one of those teams, and you're working individually as well as as part of a team to to fly a balloon 
you know, as high as you can possibly get to, you know, over the course of, you know, you know, three different modules, uh, three different, you know, questions. And, and, and what's interesting is as, as a question gets, gets asked, it can be a general question, you know, a general trivia question that could be just very fun. It could be, you know, a, you know, a question that is very company specific, you know, maybe you're asking, you know, who's the product leader, you know, responsible for this product line. So, you know, you're, 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 you're forcing folks to, to familiarize themselves across the organization, mm-hmm. or it could be, you know, a sales methodology or a specific com- competitor type of question. You can, you can customize this as, as you please, but as you're asking questions or answering questions, you know, you know, the more you get right, the faster that you get them, you know, answer them, your balloon is, you know, gaining elevation, but you're also using fuel. So, you know, at some point in time, you need to get more fuel. And how you do that is, you know, through, you know, socially engaging either with your team or with other participants, you know, in the game. And if Mm -hmm. you think about that, you know, this isn't a high pressure situation. This is, you know, making learning actually very fun. And, 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 you know, using it in the context of, you know, a familiar UI UX, you know, as a, of an arcade game and mixing in both fun trivia as well as important elements that people need to, you know, right. learn and recall and retain. So, so that's an example of gamification that doesn't sure. put stress into the equation, but rather puts fun, um, you know, and social engagement uh, into the equation and, and and that that to me is where you know you you strike a nice healthy balance. Yeah, and I didn't mean to yeah attack gamification per se. It's just that you have so many things in sales that are enabled by technology that we do because we can, not because we should. Right, and and that's I think what I'm asking people is just. Be more thoughtful about that, right? Right. Just because we can have the we have the technology enables us to <laughs> blast emails in sequences out to customers at a certain rate doesn't mean that we should. Yeah. Right. Just because we I can use gamification all the time in every aspect doesn't mean that we should. And it's it's this lack of you know I've seen with the embrace of of various technologies is oh we can do this let's and owner <laughs> says. Hmm. Maybe we shouldn't. Right. Right. And I'm just asking people to add that perspective because it creates, you know, consequences. Yeah, you know, and you know, many SaaS companies, I you know, not new to people listening to the show is yeah, you know, in SaaS companies, like one of the things that's missing is selling. Yeah, we're so good at the top of the funnel. And we just sort of play the odds as we filter down. And as a result, we got we operate really low win rates. Right. Well, why are we doing that? Well, it's really a function of what's occurring when we're doing our, our, yeah, proactive outreach and so on. Mm. I mean, it's, that's one of the functions. So it's just, yeah. I mean, with gamification, I, I get it. I think the aspects and that it's important to use and does have an impact. But it's like, I hear people talking, yeah, we just we've gamified everything. It's like, yeah, because <laughs> 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 I think people get tired of it. That's the other part, right? If it's, it's one thing, if it's yeah, something we do every quarter, or something we do, you know, at some some interval that does make it fun, makes it a contest, so on and so forth, great. But it's like part of the daily routine. I just wonder whether people just sort of begin to tune it out. Uh, interesting. So, but anyway, so I was going to ask you a question. So, 
Um, because really, this this is a platform. You know, one of my passions is is I think we're there. Not enough happens in sales. Is this continuous learning? Mm-hmm. And you addressed it. You know, you said the top sellers, you know, oftentimes you know wrinkle their noses when you have things like, hey, spend time on this platform and learn, which I think is more symbolic of a larger issue, which is getting sellers to invest a sufficient amount of time learning. But I just are curious is, is when you look at your own sales team, what's sort of the biggest learning need that you see? Yeah, gr- great question. And and as we've gone through you know, our own you know, analysis of, of you know, how our funnel uh, is, is performing, you know, one of the mm-hmm. things that you know, over the course of the last handful of quarters, you know, that, uh, you know, we started with, you know, was really, you know, ensuring that we had all of our team, you know, getting to, you know, the core message and delivering it in a consistent fashion. Because, you know, again, analyzing, um, you know, both, you know, how our frontline managers were, you know, listening in on, uh, on calls, um, you know, right. both, you know, top of funnel, middle of funnel, you know, and, you know, at, at the tail end of the funnel, um, you know, we were seeing, you know, our, our team delivering, um, you know, different messaging, uh, and, and we needed to drive to, you know, a, a much more consistent, um, you know, approach. So that was one right. area you know, that we ended up, you know, seeing, you know, our mm-hmm. team you know, needing you know, to, to work on, you know, quite a bit, uh, as we worked through, um, you know, the last handful of quarters, what we were recognizing is that, um, you know, our top, top, top of the funnel, you know, efforts, um, you know, where we were really, you know, executing on discovery uh, and right. and qualifying, you know, specific opportunities in or out, um, you know, was not where we needed it to be. Uh, so recognizing that we ended up, um, you know, focusing in, you know, over the course of a quarter, you know, starting with, um, you know, a, you know, just as you mentioned, uh, a QBR, uh, where we brought in, you know, an outside expert that, you know, is very adept at, uh, and has a, a proven methodology for you know, top of the funnel discovery and objection handling. You know, we started with that as you know a a, a um, you know session uh, during our QBR, and then followed that through over the course of the quarter uh, with you know a series of you know missions and role plays uh, and other activities that would continue to reinforce you know what it is that we learned and and take our sellers you know up you know, through the next levels mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Of, of learning. So, so for us, you know, using, um, you know, our analytics to understand where we're, uh, where, where we were, you know, weak and challenged, uh, and then, you know, leveraging our platform over time to not only, you know, intake, you know, some of the best practices, but also ensure that we were delivering content uh, that would help them, um, you know, continue to, you know, move up level, um, you know, on this skill set, and then continue to measure it over time. You know, those were the the areas that uh, you know I think you know we've been focused on over the course of the last six months, uh, and I think it's it's proving um, you know to show you know some significant value even through this COVID window where um, you know I think all of us thought the sky was going to be falling. Um, you know, we've actually found um, you know a lot of folks um, you know that are. You know, a- after we got through the initial shock of mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. the, the the shutdown, they're recognizing that investing in this area, uh, in this arena, you know, now that they've got fewer people that need to be more productive, 
um, you know, or, you know, they're finding themselves, you know, with, you know, growth that uh, they, uh, they, they didn't anticipate as they went through the replan, you know, they're, they're actually making, you know, bigger investments and, and we're able to uncover those opportunities, you know, partly because of, you know, the investments that we made over the course of the last two quarters. Yeah. Well, what's our final question for you is, is in this, yeah, more, I don't say philosophical necessarily, but it, yeah, I have over my experience has been, has come to realize over the years of building teams and, you know, consulting with companies uh, extensively about this is that, is that, you know, there's a limit to how much benefit you get out of sort of skills training. And at some point, the difference between tiers of performers is more about mindset and perspective, right? Understanding, uh, having a better understanding of what their job is or, you know, a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset or, you know, whatever dimension you want to take on that. And so how do you, how do you look at, well, how do we, how do we, educate people about that because i think at a certain point you know the, the marginal gains the incremental marginal gains you get from from training are are small but if you get people to look at what they're doing differently perhaps that's where you get more gain and more impact um and, and including mindset also is in my mind is is you know one of the areas we fail with sellers is we don't we don't help them develop the requisite business acumen to be as effective as they could be. So I was wondering, how do, you, how do you, how do you train those things? Yeah, that's, that, that's actually you know, a great insight. Um, you know, as I think about, you know, some, you know, just, you know, my own, um, you know, approach to some of this, you know, I, I think about, you know, th- from a growth aspect perspective, you know, ensuring that, you know, we're even within a specific role, uh, ensuring that we're providing, you know, our team members, you know, with a path to growing, expanding, getting promoted, getting, you know, from, you know, one level uh, of seller, you know, up through, you know, another level of seller so that they actually have a view into, um, you know, a career path and a career track. Uh, and they know and understand, you know, some of the skill sets that they need to showcase in order to, to move from one level, you know, to the next. So, you know, as mm-hmm. an example, um, you know, the, the the career tracking and pathing that that uh, you know we've seen. We don't have all of these levels here at Mind Tickle today, but you know, you know, at, at the starting point, you know, is you know a BDR. So, you know, a, a lead development rep, you know, coming mm-hmm. in, you know, they they will, you know, at, at, assuming they 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 hit the right marks, you know, in that specific role, their 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 next role is an associate account executive job uh, where you know they'll take smaller uh, opportunities they'll have a smaller quota smaller opportunities uh, and you know they're doing you know a mix of you know selling and you know business development then they move into you know a, an account executive seat and then you know as they get more proficient at uh, you know selling and closing larger deals uh, they ultimately get into get moved into you know, a global uh, account manager uh, role or a GAM role, where you know they're managing a smaller number of total accounts, but these are very large strategic accounts that they need to you know manage across the across organizations, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 that career track and uh, you know trajectory, you know having you know clarity 
uh, you know, for the reps in terms of, you know, what their path looks like, what skill sets they need to develop, you know, over what time frame uh, is a critical, you know, piece part to seeing, you know, who actually has aspirations to, you know, move up and through that organization, you know, th- through those various roles and, and who, frankly, you know, wants to be the best at, you know, at, at a specific level, a specific role without necessarily, you know, moving, transitioning, et cetera. So, you know, as an example, right. I have folks that, you know, it's clear to me, you know, they, you know, are very happy, um, you know, being a career BDR. It's what they like. It's what they, you know, intend to do. And, and with both parties, you know, you know, management and the, you know, the individual all understanding that, then we can maximize, you know, how we, you know, engage with that individual, you know, over time. For those that have bigger aspirations, you know, then we have we, we can put a different track, a different set of um, you know goals uh, in place that all of us are working towards. Um, and 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 you know, underlying all this, you know, of course, our platform can help with that. But you know, as a leader and a sales leader, you know, navigating through that growth mindset, you know, understanding the individual and and giving them a track to you know success is is part of the core equation that I think is key. Yeah. Well, you, there's music in my ears when you said somebody wanted to be a career BDR. It's like, <laughs> it's like so many companies have this sort of, it's almost like, you know, academia, right? So publish or perish or up or out, up or out. And it's like, people are good at this job and they enjoy it. <laughs> That's like manna for heaven as far as I'm Absolutely. concerned. Because cause for Absolutely. so many people, it, it, for so many people, that role is just torture, right? I mean, I've had guests on the show that said, I worked as hard as I could the first year because I wanted to get out of that job. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I understand. I did the exact same thing. But, God, I want more companies to understand that, yeah, if you got people that are good at this. Oh. I even encourage them to go. I mean, because we've got underemployed salespeople in their 40s and 50s. And there's sort of this implicit ageism about SDRs and BDRs, unfortunately, that are really good at this stuff. Go hire them. We have we That's have what they want to do. We have a handful of uh, you know folks in that role that you know they thrive, yeah, and they have for 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 a long time, and I love it. So to, exactly to your I'm point, glad to th- those are folks that you know I want to make sure you know we continue to nurture and make yes. as successful as possible because they are as you mentioned, you know, you know, gold to us. Yeah. as an organization. Yeah. yeah, encourage them. Don't don't say they're getting too old or that you know, <laughs> they must go. It's like pfft. no, I'm with you. All right. Jeff, it's been fantastic. Yeah, thank so you so much. So if people want to learn more more learn more about Mindtickle or connect with you, how can they do that? Uh, they can reach out to me uh, via email uh, at any point. So uh, you know, jeff.santelesis s a n t e l i c e s at mindtickle.com. And, uh, and I'll be, you know, very responsive to, to any of your guests that are reaching out. Excellent. All right. Well, Jeff, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, we're so grateful for your ongoing support of this program. And I want to thank my guest, Jeff Santelise, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.